Well, folks, it's been. Uh, I hope you find it helpful to have had these uh, four. This is the fourth talk and the last one on encouragement, the biblical teaching on encouragement. And then we said that we all desperately need that in our own Christian lives, our own family life, the work of the life. And we've come now to the last. So if you've missed the last three, don't worry about it. I'm actually going to be doing a, a resume of the last three. And then we'll come in with some scripture at the end, just the final part of that. So if you missed it, don't worry. Today you're going to get the, a resume of the last three weeks. Let's have a word of prayer before we start. Gracious God, we thank you for each other. We bless you for the ministry of encouragement. We know that it's uh, paramount in the scriptures. It's something that we need as human beings. And we know, loving God, that that courage is a courage infusion that we're really talking about. and A transfusion of courage into our lives. And so we ask you, loving God, today to give us that kind of courage to face whatever we have to face, to do whatever we have to do in your name, and just to be the people of God. As we think about ourselves, we think of others who are in need of prayer this moment. We thank you for Pauline, uh, for building Kathy's daughter, being able to come into the centre and visit the place. And we pray that these weeks and months that lie ahead will be a continual touch from your healing hand of recovery for her day by day. We thank you for our husband. We thank you for all the family who gather round at this particular time. And we pray for others who come into the centre, to the coffee shop. We thank you for the continual contact we have with people. And we ask you to bless that. We pray especially for the Friday evenings and Saturday evenings and for the ministry that Hugh and others are exercising there. And we ask you, Lord, to do a real work of grace in the lives of these young folks, especially when the, the young folks are mentioned in the local paper as being a, a nuisance outside the shops on a Friday and Saturday evening. We just pray that that will end, that they will find Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And so we want to thank you, Lord, that as we think of others, those who are poorer than ourselves, help us to get into the ministry of the leftover ministry. That we're not just thinking about ourselves, but there's something left over that will help us to reach our community, to reach the poor of the world. And we thank you for Andy, we pray for Math, we think of all these missionary groups that we're connected with who are seeking to reach out to people less fortunate than ourselves who need the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray a blessing upon that work and we thank you for this new plane that has just been given over to the work of MAF. And we thank you and praise you for all that gathered there at an airport uh, to give thanks to you for that gift of that new plane. We give you thanks that your, your hand is certainly upon MAF at this time. So we ask you, Lord, to just to anoint us with your spirit and help us to hear from you today. We ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. When we come to the end of our time today, I've got a special uh, sheet for you. Uh, and that sheet is to take home. And that sheet will go through the four weeks that we've had on encouragement. And it will ask you to get before the Lord 
and just see what changes you need to make in your life to find that encouragement and to give encouragement to others. There's also some sheets there from last week. Uh, just one or two things that we were saying about last week. You can pick these up. Again, if you haven't been there in the last three weeks, then I'm going to just go through that with you. hope oh, you don't mind me doing that, but I think it's helpful to do that. Because we started way back at the beginning, about three weeks ago, with personal encouragement. Uh, and we said, didn't we, that there's no use trying to encourage anybody else if you're not encouraged yourself. Uh, and we spoke about that as, as something that we all really need to be personally encouraged in our own lives. And how does that happen? The next slide tells us that in the First Samuel 13 verse 6 where David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord. You remember that story? He went to Ziklag after being refused by the Philistines to fight with them. He comes back and all he sees is a burning camp. The wives have gone, the kids have gone, the plunder is gone, there's nothing there but smoke. And David is deeply distressed, inconsolable for him and the other soldiers. And David had nobody else to encourage him but the Lord. Used to be an old hymn, an old song when I was younger, Where could I go but to the Lord? And that was certainly true of David's life. And we've got to just find encouragement in the Lord sometimes. Often times, most times. Because there may not be anybody else in the home or anybody else in a situation to encourage you. And you have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, will you strengthen me? Will you encourage me? And help me along the way. So we have to have, that was one of the verses that we, we looked in on. And the next verse, the next slide was, go to Joshua 24. And again we wanted to find personal encouragement from this great warrior of God, this Joshua who took over from Moses. And it's the very end of his life. The closing words to the nation who have come into the promised land. And he reminds them of what God has been doing. Four areas. Focus on God's faithfulness, he's telling them. And in that last chapter, he goes through all the things that the Lord has taken them through. The, the seven nations that they've battled against and, and been victorious. And how the Lord has taken them through the wilderness. And all the kind of things that the Lord has done. And Joshua is really saying in effect to the nation, isn't God faithful? Isn't he really faithful? And you have to focus on the faithfulness of God if you want to find personal encouragement. Then we're focusing on Joshua's witness. Because he says in that last chapter, you can go for the gods of the death if you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That was his personal testimony. And isn't it true that sometimes when you're discouraged, you meet somebody else who's been through it, they've been through various circumstances, and they're not going to give up. They say, well, as for me and my house, we're just going to keep serving the Lord. Now, it's often we're tempted to give up when we're discouraged, but they wouldn't do that. And then the focus on the people's generous words, because really Joshua was looking for a response. And so you, you find in Joshua 24 and verse 18, uh, when Joshua said, choose you this day, whom you're going to serve. And, and the people say in verse 18, okay, Joshua, we're going to serve you and we're going to obey the Lord and serve the Lord. Uh, and maybe they thought that Joshua didn't quite hear them. So in verse 21 they said, Joshua, we're going to serve and we're going to obey the Lord. And maybe Joshua didn't quite hear. So in verse 24 they says, we're going to obey and we're going to serve the Lord. Three times they got the message over to Joshua. Joshua, we're not going to quit. These were generous words that were coming from the people of God. At such an important time in the life of the nation. When Joshua was going to be uh, leaving this scene of time. 
And then the focus and hope for the journey. One of the verses in Joshua 24 says that they were given that faithfulness that the Lord saw them through the entire journey. And that too is a wonderful message for us, that the Lord is going to see us through the entire journey. And that was what Joshua was saying to the nation. He saw us through the entire journey. And he's continuing to do that. He'll see you through the entire journey. Let's go to the next slide. Because we find there were four questions that we were asking there. One of the questions was, do we focus on the things that encourage us? Now people will say discouraging things. Happens in family life. Can happen in church life, sadly. And it happens in workaday life. And, and people will say discouraging things. I told you when I was feeling called to the ministry, all my family said encouraging words like, you'll never make it. You know, very encouraging words like that. And yet my mum and dad said, Alec, you'll make it. I had no education, no qualifications leaving schools. So I had to go and start all over again. But you know, you've got to focus on the things that encourage us. You have to focus on that. You have to have an encouraging view of yourself. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as the, as the kind of person who is a, a refuge for somebody in need of help? Do you see yourself as the kind of person that, that God could raise up to be an encourager? Or do you think of yourself, well, I could never encourage anybody else. I'm so down all the time. And we have to have a, a really encouraging view of ourselves. And the Bible says that in Romans chapter 12 there, verse 3, it talks there about to have a sober view of yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But it also says, have a sober view of yourself. But think of yourself realistically. And that means, don't put yourself down. Just think of yourself realistically as God wants to take you up and use you. That's a, a tremendous thought there. And who are we in the kingdom of God? Another question we asked. And if you weren't very sure about that, look at Ephesians chapter 1 sometimes when you go home. And there's all that catalogue of who we are in Jesus Christ. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've got all this resource in Christ Jesus. Who are you in the kingdom of God? And when we realise what we are in Christ, we realise that, well, Jesus can do some mighty things through each of our lives. And then how do we see ourselves tonight? Or that was in, in Kirkidan evening service. How do we see ourselves today at this particular time? And the next uh, slide, thanks again. Our personal encouragement also included a, a thankful cooperation with others. That took us to Romans 12, 40. That, that unity with that, and diversity we see in the body of Christ. Now it may be, have there be thought in your mind that I wish the church was full of Alec Russells or whatever your name might be. Isn't we glad it's not like that? The, the, the body of Christ is a, a diverse body. And yet we're meant to be in unity together. And if you're going to be an encourager in Jesus Christ to other people personally, you need to see your place in the body of Christ. That you're not there to make everybody like yourself. That you're there to thank God for the, the difference and the diversity in there. And the unity of being brought together in Christ. And when you see that unity and diversity working together... You can be an encourager. Because there are some folk in the church of Christ today and they don't like diversity. They don't like other people thinking differently from them or thinking differently about worship and different, different thoughts about other things. And, and they get uptight when everybody's not doing the same thing. And yet if you cooperate with others, if God gives you that heart for others, 
you'll be a great encouragement. We said that in verses 9 to 13 of Romans chapter 12, it's almost like Paul's manual for encouragement. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold everyone together in brotherly love. And these verses are, are like a manual for encouragement. And that was our first week. Okay, the next slide. Brings us to uh, the second, uh, actually the second and third weeks are under that heading, what encouragement looks like. And the first, uh, that's the second week, next slide please, gives us the four words that we used. And one was affirmation, praise, consolation and exhortation. And we tried to put these words into context. And the context was affirming those who do not see their value and potential. And we need to affirm each other. And always remember, affirmation is not telling lies about somebody else. When maybe somebody's getting up to sing, and it's not going to say, well, I think, I want to affirm you in your singing. And then maybe the singing's rubbish. You're affirming somebody in a fact that they have that gift. That it might not be reached its full maturity. Maybe it's somebody learning to preach, and, and you look at them and you think to themselves, yeah, there's something there. It hasn't got developed yet, but I want to affirm you in your preaching. I want to affirm you in the Lord. And we need to do that if you're going to be an encourager, affirming people and the gifts that God has given to them, even if you can't see it all there. And then praising those who are taking scary steps of faith, those who are maybe praying for the first time or getting up sharing for the first time, whatever it might be for the first time. And kids do that in their homes. A child walking for the first time. Using the potty for the first time. What an amazing thing when that <laughs> happens. And all this, the praise that we want to pour out to them. And praise is that warm appreciation. It's not like affirmation, you're affirming a fact. Your praise is, you're, you're praising somebody with a warm, a, a warm approval, as it were. And then consolation, consoling those who have the spiritual wind knocked out of them. And, and that happened in, in church life. It happens in the scriptures and Timothy feeling the, the, bit, the, the terrible fact that we're so young in the faith and so young as a person. And consoling and comforting those. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that God has comforted you. So that the comfort that he has given to you, you can bring that comfort to somebody else. And we'll never be as close to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, as when we're encouraging each other. Encouragement is like the, the work of the Spirit being manifest in the Church of Christ. Because the Spirit is the Comforter that Jesus sent after he left. And then the exhorting, the exhort, exhortation is the hardest one. Because we find that exhortation means a warning given to somebody to help them be motivated to something better. It could be a warning, it could be a challenge. Remember I told you about that lady in the church at uh, Danoon who was saying, I I'm not doing your church cleaning anymore because it's too dirty. And I felt like saying to her, well that's why we employed you, so that you would clean the church when it was dirty. <laughs> and she, was, she wasn't having this, and, and as the weeks went on she got more and more unhappy, and, and then she said to us, I'm, I'm writing a letter of resignation, and came the letter of resignation. So I shot out to see her, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, I says, Nancy, I'm not having it. She says, you're not having what? I'm not having you resigning the church. I said, you can step down from cleaning the church if you like, and we'll get another job, but I'm not having you resigning. You have to be 13 years in a place to be able to do that, you know. And after, <laughs> she says, I hate you, you get round me so easily. And I got up and gave her a big hug. 
And this is the thing, you find it in Second Timothy in chapter 4, that you find that when Paul is seeking to exhort Timothy, he says, I want you to preach in season and out of season, and I want you to rebuke and encourage. Interesting that rebuke and encourage come side by side there. And sometimes we have to be straight with folk and say, look, look, I just want to exhort you, I want to charge you, I want to help you, I want to warn you, or whatever it might be. But at the same time, I want to encourage you. And sometimes we need to hear that. And it's not the easiest one to exhort those who are tempted to give less than their best. And very often, when it happens, a wee bit later on, maybe they're in the huff with you for a wee while, but a wee bit later on they realise that that was a, a word of encouragement. That was a real help to me. And that was really the second week. No, thank you, Graham. Uh, next one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, what? Oh, sorry. The same week. That was the second week. There were five practical helps. But you need to know how to use God's word. It's interesting. In Romans 15 and verse 4, it talks about the encouragement of the scriptures. Now, if you don't know God's word, how? I don't read God's word. How are you going to get a word from scripture to pass on to somebody else? And very often God does that. He can do that for us. Make it a goal to meet with other believers. Okay, it's good to give a card of encouragement. It's good to have a phone call. It's good to email somebody to encourage them along the way. I'm not saying don't do that. But it's far better to see them face to face. Far better to say, look, uh, I was thinking about you last week. And um, it's just so good to see you here today. And I'm so glad you came. And that's just a, a great word of encouragement when you see people face to face and, and very often it takes that face to face encounter and that's why you need to be here. You need to be on a regular basis where God's people meet so that you can be an encouragement to other folks in the fellowship. And you need to be in prayer beforehand as to how to encourage your friends. Because it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 that we need to consider how to encourage each other. And what's the best way to consider that? In prayer. Get before God in prayer. As I said to you before, Eileen keeps saying, when I start praying for people, I start meeting them. When I pray for them, I meet them. And so it's good to be in prayer. Lord, show me. Show me how to encourage so and so. Show me how to encourage somebody even today or in my workplace. And then be a good listener. There's a wonderful verse in Job 21 and verse 1. I only discovered this when I was doing the study for this series. Joshua 21 and verse 1. It's not a verse that came to my mind right away. But here is Job saying to his comforters. He says, I want you to, to listen to me. And as you listen to me, let that be the consolation you want to bring me. Will you please, please listen? Of course, the next verse in verse 2 of Job 21, he says, but of course you'll mock me. But he says, listen, listen, listen. And let that be the consolation that you want to bring. I, I just think that's a fantastic verse of scripture. And there's this whole art of listening. And, and listening is not having a gap of thinking what you're going to say when the person stops speaking. Uh, and if you're doing any uh, teaching on counselling, learning anything about counselling, they always say that when you're listening to somebody, to prove that you're listening, you should actually speak back what the person is saying. Now, let me just get straight. You, you were just saying there that you were having a, a difficult time each week in the last two or three weeks. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That really proves you're listening. So, being a good listener. And as with everything else, you need to practice. That means you don't wait till you're perfect and being an encourager. You say, Lord, help me encourage somebody today. 
I bet they'll be very good at it and I don't have a word for scripture at the moment and maybe I'll not get a word when I meet the person who's encouragement but you just help me to have the right ones to say. Right, the next, next one was, uh, this is week three. And again, it's what biblical encouragement looks like. We're only using four words this time. We're using a biblical character, and that's Barnabas. And we find there this wonderful testimony of Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, where he was really encouraging the fellowship. What did he say to the church at Antioch? This, this new church of Gentile Christians, not Jewish Christians, mainly Gentile Christians. He said, I want you to keep going faithfully with the Lord. Just keep going for the Lord, he says. Don't give up. A great encourager. And of course Acts chapter 4 verse 36 tells us that was not his real name. He was called Joseph. The son of a Levite. His real name was Joseph. But he got a nickname. And the nickname was Barnabas. Which means a son of encouragement. A son of consolation. It wouldn't be good to have a nickname like that. My, my nickname was terrible, it was Rusty. Imagine having a nickname like Rusty. I hated it at school. But imagine getting a nickname like Barnabas, a son of encouragement. And of course, uh, let's go on to the next slide. Here's the, th the four headings. It was worth coming last week just for the headings alone. <laughs> I got this on this from somebody anyway. A load lifter. He was the one that looked at the fellowship of Christians there and he said, They need help. And it's a help that's in a very practical way. And so the Bible tells us he sold a field and he gave the money to the church. Now up until this point, you would be forgiven for thinking that encouragement is all about words. Or thinking about people or speaking to people. This really knocks that whole thing in the head. That encouraging is about giving. And the Lord may be speaking to you about giving money to whatever society it might be in the missionary field or, or in the church or even to some individual. God can do that for us. And I mentioned some of the, the points about that when I was thinking about that last week. A load lifter. He got under the load and helped to lift it. And it wasn't just a word of encouragement to the church that Barnabas was going to give. It was actually money. A friend finder. He discovers Saul of Tarsus, becomes a Christian, he gets let down in a basket from Damascus because everybody's trying to kill him, all the Jews are trying to kill Saul. Saul was one of the chief guys in, the, in Judaism. He was the guy that had people persecuted, persecuted Christians and had them put in prison, maybe had them killed as well. And the other Jews, when they heard that he had become a Christian, goodness, they wanted his life. He was let down in a basket in, in Damascus and eventually Barnabas found him. And who was the man that introduced him to the church in Jerusalem? Barnabas. And Barnabas says, he's okay. He's really met Jesus. His life has been changed. I want you to bring him in and accept him. And, and Barnabas was, and we need to be a friend finder. I told you before last week that if somebody's new coming into the church and can't connect within three months, they very often go somewhere else. And so we have to connect early on when we, new people come in uh, and make sure that we can take them for a meal or, or take them out for a meal or just connect with them in some way and think very seriously about them. And so Barnabas was that kind of person. And also a bridge builder. Because when the church came to say to themselves, who do we want to go from Jerusalem church, a Jewish church, up to this new church in Antioch, the first Gentile church, who will we send? Send Barnabas. He's a, a bridge builder, this guy. 
Uh, of course, that's true in introducing Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, introducing him to the church as well. He, he was building bridges. And we need to do that. We, we spoke last week about different personalities in the Church of Christ. Those are difficult to get on with. And somehow we have to build bridges between all the different thinking and all the different thoughts and personalities in church life. And, and God can do that for us. God can help us get alongside other people and help them along. And the last one, of course, was a failure fixer. In other words, when Paul says, I, I don't want young John Mark... The last time I had him in a missionary enterprise, he gave up. Went to go home to his mummy. I'm not going to have him again. And Barnabas says, well, I'm taking him. I'll take him. And so we find that Barnabas takes him away, away from Paul. And Paul takes Silas. And away they go on the missionary journey. And Barnabas was such a great encourager to, actually a relation of the family, John Mark. A great encourager that, that Paul got to the stage in Timothy where he says, Timothy, I've only got Luke with me, but whatever you do, bring John Mark. He'll be a help to me in the ministry. Such was the work of Barnabas in that young man's life that Paul felt, I can't do without him. You'll need to bring him along. And that's the kind of guy he was. He was a load lifter, a friend finder, a bridge builder and a failure fixer. We come to the final one now and it won't be too long at all. We come now to the power of encouragement. That's what we're looking at actually today. The power of encouragement. And what I want to say regarding it is I want to tell you a, a story. And it's my greatest story of encouragement in my ministry. Maybe you know, I can't, maybe you can't remember, but I was in Peebles for four years. And that wasn't an easy situation because four years before I went, I had four years of vacancy. And four years before I went, the church was split. The pastor and his wife resigned and went away to Ireland. The church was split down the middle. And it wasn't a big church. And half of them went to the, um, the Brethren Assembly, the Evangelical Church in Peebles. other half stayed four years trying to sort things out. And then they called me <laughs> along the way. And it was a tough assignment to take to try and build up this church that had gotten very low. And while I was there, um, during the time I was ministering in people, I got an invitation from the church, the Baptist Church in Helensburg. And they said, Alec, will you come and, and preach uh, a weekend for us, do a, a weekend of services for our, our anniversary? I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I was through at Helensburg preaching. And Helensburg Church at that time, and I'm sure it's still the same today, was really flourishing. It was really bursting at the seams and, and God was blessing the church and the worship was great and, and the folks were great and I had a great time there. And at the end of my time I said, you know this? I said, I'm through in Peebles there, very small church. We struggle at times. Be good if some of you folks came and visited us and just brought a bit of encouragement to us. And I left it with them. So months passed and months passed and months passed and I decided to do a series of two talks on encouragement in the church. I can't remember doing the first one or the second talk when in walked 12 people from Helensburg. Can you imagine that happening? I mean, I'm actually preaching on encouragement and in walks 12 people from Helensburg. I said, I don't believe this. You know, they didn't even tell me they were coming. And they all spent their money uh, being um, in some hotel, not a hotel, or a B&B, in Selkirk. 
which would be about further down the road than uh, people. So they spent, they went on the Saturday night, they stayed over in Selkirk, and they all trooped into our wee church in Peebles. I just couldn't get over that. I said, that is so amazing. I'm talking today about encouragement, and here you folks are. I said, you're not going to get away with that. I said, get up and sing to us. Of course, they had something prepared. They'd come prepared to sing and to share and what have you. It was a wonderful service. I just thank God for the message that got through to this bigger church to go and help a smaller church. I just find that so lovely. I want to just share with you some verses of scripture that I haven't spoken about. I'm not going to speak about them or speak about I just want to share them with you. And that's Acts 20, 1 and 2. It says this, When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He travelled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece. Two verses there, verses 1 and 2. After encouraging them, he said goodbye and he set out for Macedonia. He travelled through that area speaking many words of encouragement. That's a lovely verse, lovely two verses of scripture. And then you'll see there 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. The gift of the prophetic word to the fellowship was one of encouragement. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 13 even, So even though I wrote to you it was not an account of the one who did the wrong or of the injured party but rather that before God you could see yourselves how devoted to us you are by all this we are encouraged. There had been something wrong in that church and somebody had done something wrong, been shoved out of the church and introduced maybe back to the fellowship, welcome back again and Paul said I can just see how devoted you are to us you continually devoted to even though we had to sort out a problem in the church and we find that encouraging but you're still devoted to us and then Philippians chapter 2 1 and 2 if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any fellowship with the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like minded having the same love being one in spirit and in purpose if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ Paul presumes that your relationship with Christ will bring forth encouragement if you've got any encouragement at all in Christ, says, uh, Paul says, let that be together. Let's united in Christ. And then Second th- Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Give us eternal encouragement and good hope, he says there. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That's exciting. And of course, Graham will be talking about Philemon, I think. And verse 7 that says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Your love has given us great encouragement. Hebrews 12 and verse 5. Hebrews says, and you, have for, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And here's a kind of rebuke, if you like, a warning to the fellowship. You have actually forgotten that word of encouragement. That addresses you as sons. Don't forget the writer is saying the word of the occasion. Then we come to our final passage then for today. If you look with me at Acts chapter 13. This is where we are today. Acts chapter 13. And just a few verses there. And verses 13 to 15 is where we are. 
This is our final sort of uh, place in, in the scriptures for today. Acts 13, 13 to 15. It says this, From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. And from Perga they went to Pisidia, Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day they entered the synagogue and they sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. If you have anything to say by way of encouragement for us, will you please speak up? Because we desperately need a word of encouragement. Isn't that a lovely verse of scripture? If you've got a message of encouragement to us. And so Paul didn't need to be asked twice. So he launches in there in verse 16. It says, standing up Paul motioned with his hand. And said, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their way in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country. He endured their conduct. And he goes on to speak about their journey, the 40 years in the desert. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as an inheritance. And all this took about 450 years. And so here is Paul really sharing with them all that's happening. And then in verse 27 he talks there about the people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus and yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that they read every Sabbath. And he speaks about David as being a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the cross. talks about the resurrection. And no wonder he can see in verse 26. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it's to us that this message of salvation has been sent. You see what Paul is saying here? Here's a word of encouragement. And it's the gospel. It's the good news. The good news is that Jesus died for you on the cross. He rose from the dead. And Paul is saying, this is the, the supreme word of encouragement that we all need. It's the glorious good news. It's, it's the glorious gospel of the cross. That Jesus died for us. He, he rose again for us. And the question we always want to ask is, do you know Jesus like that? Have you invited Jesus into your life to be your saviour? That is the ultimate word of encouragement. It's the good news that Paul brings to the believers. And it was so powerful and, and so wonderful. If you look here at verse 32, where he talks there, it says what they do. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers. He has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus. <coughs> so folks, if you ever bring a word of encouragement to other people, don't forget the good news. Don't forget the glorious gospel. Because that was the word that Paul brought. And look what happens in this story. It's quite amazing. The result, look at verse 42. 
for the result of this. It's quite an amazing story. It says here in verse 42, And as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. They were saying, Paul, we like your sermons. <laughs> Will you come back next week and give us more of the same? Isn't that amazing that we, we like the way you preach? We, we like what you preach. Will you come back again? And it says here, And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So what happened the next Sabbath? When they were all waiting for this word of encouragement, look at what happens in verse 46. At, um, sorry, verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Almost the whole city. We really like your words of encouragement. The good news. Will you come back next week? Tell us more. And nearly the whole city comes together. You know folks, when you see churches growing in the faith or growing numerically, you can see that folks are gathering round a people of encouragers. A word of encouragement. People are gathering around a word of encouragement. People of encouragers. And you find that people want to stay with that kind of fellowship. They want to stay with it. And I believe that that fellowship grows. And what we're actually looking at there in verse 44 is really the power of encouragement. That was the power of it. Well, you come back next week. And when they came the following week, there was nearly the whole city gathered to hear what God is saying. Where God is glorified, people will gather around encouragement. Where God is glorified in the worship of the church. And that worship points to God, his victory in Christ and the awe and the wonder of our creator when we're worshipping God and pointing to God and, and bringing words of encouragement people get built up in their faith and that was happening in Acts chapter 13 and I believe that God has not sent us this theme of the last four weeks for us to just fill up some time at a morning service he really has some purpose in mind he really has things that he's been teaching you and, and wanting to develop in your life and mine. It's going to, something's going to happen in your discouraged life and something's going to happen in the lives of, of many others and the life of this church. Something's going to happen in the family life, in the workaday life. God has written, I believe, encouragement into your list of priorities. I believe he's written encouragement into your list of encouragements. One Monday morning, in the, we have this ministry team meeting at Kirky on a Monday morning to find out how we're all getting on and who was at church and who wasn't at church and that kind of thing. And one Monday morning, one of the team ministers said, Alec, there's a card for you. And I went to this, the card was about this size. And that was the primary sevens and first year Sunday school group or youth group, whatever you want to call them at age. And they'd written this great big card and they put things, Alec, we appreciate your magic and we appreciate your ministry in the church and all the sort of things that, that young folk, I didn't even realise I knew who I was. Because you don't often see young people in the church, you just get up and preach and, and they're often going to be out to Sunday school and what have you. And, this card full of encouragement. I'm, I'm pleased to say that every one of us, of the four ministers we have, every one of us got that card. 
I've got another card from Campsy View uh, School that I go to sometimes, and great big card again, big smiling face. Alec, we just want to say thank you for coming in the past year and just being with us. And these children are so disabled, it's just a, a learning curve, big learning curve, and they sent a card. I just found that so encouraging along the way. And, and people take the time to do that kind of thing. Let me finish with a story. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Teddy Stoddart. He lived in the USA. Not the kind of kid who got invited to parties. He was backward. He would slouch on his chair at, in the class at school. He looked bored most of the time. and He only spoke when somebody spoke to him and he spoke in monosyllables. Never dressed right. His clothes had an odour to them. He was a somewhat unattractive lad. And sometimes when the teacher marked his exam papers, she took a, a perverse pleasure in marking the X's and putting F at the top of the paper. She might have known because Terry had a history. In his first grade at school, his school record said, Terry's a good boy, he shows promise, but he's got a poor home situation. In Terry's second grade, the teacher wrote this, Terry's quiet and withdrawn, his mother is terminally ill. In the third grade, the teacher wrote, Terry's falling behind, his mother died this year and his father is uninvolved. In the fourth grade, Terry is hopelessly backward. His father has moved away and, and he's living with his aunt. He is deeply troubled. And Christmas time came. And the kids brought their gifts to the teacher as kids do. So Terry brought a, a wee bottle of perfume that was almost finished. And a rhinestone bracelet that had quite a few of the stones missing. And he gave it to the teacher. She managed to stop herself laughing at the end of the day and, and she managed to spray some of the perfume onto her hand and oh she says, Terry that's really lovely and she put the bracelet on and said thank you very much indeed and oh he said I'm so glad you're pleased with it. He said you really smell a bit like my mother smell that perfume one. After he left, Miss Thompson, he, she was the teacher at the time and she put her head in her hands and cried to God for the way she had thought of this boy and asked for forgiveness that she never really noticed the value of Teddy Stoddard. And when the kids came back to school the next day, Miss Thompson was a new teacher. She took extra special care with those students who needed extra help and she spent a lot of her day with Teddy Stoddard. And by the end of the year he had caught up with most of his classmates and, and after that school year she hadn't heard from Terry for many years. And then one day she got a note that said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know that I'm graduating from high school and I'm second in my class. Love, Terry Stoddart. Four years later another note came to her, Dear Miss Thompson, I want you to know that I'm graduating first in my class. The university has not been easy but I liked it. Love, Terry Stoddart. And four years later, another note said, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know that as of today, I am Theodore J. Stoddard, M.B. How about that? And I want you to come and sit where my mother would have sat, for you're the nearest thing to family that I have. Love, Teddy Stoddard. Such is the power of encouragement. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for these four weeks that we have spent together. 
And we believe that you've got some divine purpose in sharing these scriptures with us and teaching us a ministry that is so desperately needed. We need it in our own lives, in our family life, our workaday life. Lord, give us that ministry. In Jesus' name. Amen.